Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner Podcast. This is a podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Kayla Mason, and before we get to there, did that sound like my podcast voice? It did a little bit, but it was better. It was better? Okay, cool. You just have a thing. Like, you get into it, you know, you're going through your lines, you say the same thing every week, and it's just, it's a thing, but it's okay. Hmm. Should I switch it up? Maybe we should just change up the lines. Maybe we should just change up how we open it. I would throw everybody off, though. Everybody would be like, what? Anyway, who are you? Um, I'm not Caleb. I'm Todd, a.k.a. Hicksonball, a.k.a. the Todd Father. <laughs> That's my, I'm chewing gum. Sorry, guys. I shouldn't be chewing gum right now. <laughs> oh, my. And we have a great episode for you today. Today, we're talking with CJ Cassiata. And CJ, he's a great guy. He's an author, speaker, and founder of ring veller which get this todd tell me helps teach kids about creativity and kindness that's kind of like right up our alley yep and he he wrote he wrote he wrote he didn't wrote it but he wrote it called get weird discover the surprise and secret to making a difference and he's all about helping humans of all ages unlock their imagination and using it for good boom so, I feel, honestly, I feel like you could man, be more excited. You could be. You could use your imagination. I'm excited. But here's the thing. I wasn't part of the interview. Then you should be even more excited to hear my conversation with CJ. Right. I have to listen to this whole thing secondhand. However. Is it time? It is time for our Learner's Corner Ooh. Recommended Resource of the Week. Also, I noticed something recently about the Learner's Corner Recommended Resource of the Week. What's that? I call it the recommended resource. You call it the approved resource. So here's the real question. Are those two different things or are they the same thing? Well, if, if it comes from me, it's an approved resource. It means it's legit. If it comes from you, it's not. So there's that. It's just recommended. If it's it's just recommended. When I say it, it's approved because I am the ultimate approver of all things. I'm just kidding. I'm not. But I got it. Okay. Ba -da -ba 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 -ba. You ready for it? Ready. All right, today is a podcast called The One Thing Podcast. Hold on. It's done by a guy named Jeff Woods. Jeff spelled G-E-O-F-F, -F, just for those in the back wondering. And I was on Instagram, and one of my good friends, Andre, who, by the way, he listens to the podcast. Andre, you know who you are. You listen to the podcast. I was looking in your stories Saw that thing, started listening to it. It's a podcast about productivity. Start from the beginning, all the way to the beginning. Caleb, I'm on an episode right now that's talking about how to be productive starting your day at work. Now, Caleb's going to listen to this podcast and say, rookies, I know how to do all that stuff because y'all are fools and y'all don't know what you're doing. But for some of us who aren't at the unbelievable demigod levels that you are at, when it comes to this, I bow down before you, but I got to listen to podcasts like this, man. So what I heard you say is that this is Andre's approved resource of the week. So, Andre, thank you. You're welcome. Todd, for thanks for me. stealing. You're welcome for me bringing you to this awesomeness. Now, as we mentioned, we talked, actually, I talked with CJ Cassiata about get weird in this brand new movement for all of us to embrace 
our weirdness, which Todd really needs to listen to. So here we go. Well, CJ, we're so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today. Oh, man, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so you, you've recently come out with a book. And just as we kind of get started, can you kind of tell, tell us what made you want to uh, take this journey of inspiring people to be more weird? Yeah, you know, I feel like I was a, a weird kid growing up. And I, I feel like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a super old or, or wise or anything like that. I'm in my, my early 30s. But I know enough to know that even the person who looks like they've got it all together and seems really popular, they've, they've felt like a misfit at some point in their life. And I think a lot of us actually continually feel like we don't, there's a part of us that that just doesn't belong or if people saw, what would they think? And so what I've kind of discovered is that, you know, we all feel, uh, you know, a little weird at some point, but our weirdness, the stuff that actually makes us unique, the stuff that makes us different from everybody else is that's where the really good stuff lies. That's where the magic actually is. And if we can hone in on that and if we can actually learn to cultivate that, um, we're going to find not only joy, but I think that's the way the world and culture moves forward. Mm -hmm. Do you remember like a, like a specific moment where you just realized, you know, maybe it was as you were a kid or a teenager, even um, an adult to where you realized, man, I'm just, I'm just different than everybody else around me. And what kind of, what did that difference look like for you? Yeah, I think, you know, I was in uh, the fourth grade and during math, I had a, a teacher who um, just kind of let me doodle and draw like flying police cars uh, with grappling hooks and, you know, laser beams coming out of them and stuff like that. And I just like that was I, I did it, you know, a couple of times and I was like, man, I can't believe I'm getting away with this. But then I kind of realized that I think he just sort of let me do what I wanted to do. And he saw that I actually probably paid attention more when I was doodling while I was learning. And so I didn't see any other kids do that around me, but that was sort of my, that was sort of my thing. Um, and I really, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I, I think that was really cool. That he actually allowed me to do that. Oh yeah, definitely. And then kind of what, what made you, um, what made you want to like start spreading this message of, um, of people wanting to embrace their own weird, like their own weirdness and uniqueness. Yeah, I think what wanted what I, the reason I wanted to do that is because I feel like we're kind of in this this point in history, and I think it's always been this way, but I think it's kind of heightened because of social media and everything going on, where it's so much more advantageous on the surface to conform the patterns to fit in just to check off a box and to really just kind of stand in line and, and be part of a, you know, assembly process, assembly line. But if you look throughout history, those who actually shape culture and move it to where it needs to go are the ones who have this childlike weird imagination. And we really need some of that right now, I think more than ever. But, you know, I always say when I'm talking about this stuff, like, and, and the story made it into the book, but I was in a bookstore with my 
my four-year-old daughter at the time, and we're in the kids section, and there's this little girl, she's probably like two, two and a half years old, and she's coloring inside a coloring book in this bookstore, and she's coloring like super neatly inside the lines. I'm like, man, that's actually really good for a two-year-old. And then she starts getting a little crazy, and she starts coloring outside the lines. I'm like, ah, oh, that's pretty cool. Like she's scribbling around. And then I noticed that her mom is uh, standing next to her and kind of looking over her shoulder, and her mom goes, you've ruined it. I can't believe why you really, like, she starts like actually scolding this little two-year-old girl. So I kind of removed myself from the situation. I'm like, dude, if I stay here, I'm going to start co-parenting this kid with, you know, and, and probably parenting the mom too. But, um, you know, it just reinforced to me the fact that this is still very, this, this notion that we have to color inside the lines that we have to, we, we can't kind of divert from the script or the grid. It's still very much alive and well, like we're still teaching our kids this, in a way. And so I'm, for whatever reason, I just feel like I'm on a, on a mission to subvert that and to go, no, it, you know, the, the wonder, the, the good stuff, the future that lies in uh, being brave enough and, and, and weird enough to actually step outside those lines and think outside those boxes and those frameworks mm-hmm. and those formulas and pioneering something new. Why, why do you think there is such a resistance? Um, to us, to, to nonconformity? Well, because it's a lot safer, right? I mean, we've, A, we've sort of been conditioned to do that. Like I just said, you know, for every, how many, how many kids can raise their hand and go, yeah, I had a parent or a coach or someone who told me the equivalent of what this mom told this girl uh, in this bookstore. Like we've been, we've been conditioned to believe that by uh, either peers or by grownups. And it's the herd mentality, you know. I mean, I think you know part of it is uh, evolutionary, you know. Too, I think it's just it's easier, it's safer, and it's more prudent to um, do what everybody else is doing. Uh, you won't really, you won't really get made fun of. You won't really be ostracized. You might, you know, make a living that's decent, and you know fine but then you you, you the, the downside of that the flip side of that is there's a really good possibility you might not ever experience what it means to be fully alive mm-hmm. and we're only given so many years on this planet as human beings i decided at some point man i just i want to be as human as i possibly can and i want to feel alive and what separates us from any other species on the planet is that we have the ability to imagine, to create new things, to create a different narrative, a different future than our present. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk a little bit more about, um, you know, us being the only people who can imagine how, how, um, how does that impact? Um, how does that impact like our journey to our own unique weirdness and how and how can someone kind of um stroke or encourage that imagination in themselves yeah no that's a great that's a great question i mean again we're all inherently imaginative we're all sort of pre-installed with this ability to create things that weren't there before so like i don't know about you but like when i was a kid i had talked about drawing the flying cars and everything like I imagined by default, nobody needed to mm-hmm. tell me, hey, here's how you think outside the box. Here's how you create worlds and ideas 
that aren't necessarily grounded in reality, but could be one day. Nobody taught me how to do that. I didn't even go to school for that. I just did that. Now, to to your point, it's like I have to work at that. I have to work at like getting into that zone, getting into that space where I'm not sort of stuck inside expectations and um, circumstances and, you know, really all things same. And so the challenge for us all is, is how do we reconnect with that child inside of us so that we don't become childish, we don't become, you know, just stagnant and we never grow, but we tap into whatever that kid knows. Because that kid knows something. That kid is wiser and smarter and a bit more advanced than we give him or her credit for. And so how do we tap into that person that lives inside of us and excavate that? Mm-hmm. What what did you, what have you done to kind of tap in and and really to kind of go back in time and you know get that child really it's kind of like that childlike faith and that childlike imagination. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things. One, and I, you know, obviously this is not for for everybody, but I started having kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so uh, that's actually been a really interesting sort of journey to experience it kind of all over again. Um, and I go, Oh yeah. Wow. That's, that's amazing that, that, you know, my kid's able to do that. And I remember when I could do that. And so I just started hanging around my kids more. The other thing is if that's not, you know, if that's not in your cards or you're not in that season of life, um, is going on adventures, getting quiet enough, removing the distractions of the world, and having the the courage to actually um, journey like you did, like the, all the things that you wish you could have done when you were like seven or eight years old, but didn't have a car or mm-hmm. money or access to you know a plane, like like do some of those things, like actually you know experience new things. Put put your freaking phone down every once in a while. <laughs> like lock up your, your the things that scream at you demanding your adult attention and go and doodle, draw a picture, you know, um, hike a mountain camp, you know, experience, experience the world that you wish you could have, that you you experience the world that you imagined essentially when you were seven or eight years old. Mm -hmm. What's, what's an adventure that you've been on recently that, that for you um, has done that for you. It's helped you like inspire your imagination, your creativity and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, that's another good question. Well, we decided this year that we were starting um, a nonprofit called ring Beller, And it's essentially uh, a it's video curriculum for schools for K through five schools that teaches kids creativity and kindness. And we're using uh, these two Muppet puppet-like characters that we've created to sort of host the show. And it's an alien and a robot. And they capture a weatherman from the earth. And then they hang out and they, they, they partner with Earthling Kids to interview a bunch of creative professionals um, like you and, and me and you know other people who are using their imagination as grown-ups to make a difference. And I'll tell you, this is something, this is the closest I've ever gotten personally 
to creating the kind of work that I was really excited to create when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I've been scared to create um, since I was, you know, an adult. But the crazy thing is, is that it is about as hard, if not harder. And I already knew it was going to be hard. (laughs) (laughs) It is about as, as challenging as I thought. And it's, it's, it's giving me all of the, reasons why i didn't do it for so long all those reasons are very true you know what i mean um but i've also probably laughed more than i had in years i've um i've been braver than i have in years i've learned i you know what i'm just actually processing this out loud dude like i've I've probably learned more about myself and and what i believe in and actually how to handle uh certain professional situation it turns out it turns out you're going to be a better leader when you actually really believe in the thing <laughs> that you're that you're leading mm-hmm. um there's kind of a direct correlation with that and so yeah like it's this it's been this uh, that's the easiest thing i can think of when you ask me that question of how are you doing that because that's exactly what we're doing we're we're, we're stepping out and we're going on this this adventure and it's it's complete with twists and turns and pitfalls and you know victories and in many ways it's a choose your own adventure book for sure where there's multiple avenues that open up and go this is what's next you know what do you want to do what which option do you want to choose but i feel alive and i feel like for the first time you know 10 year old tj 12 year old tj would be really proud mm-hmm just through through this work and through the, and starting the nonprofit, what's something that you've been learning? Yeah, I've been learning. Okay, that's that's cool. That's a good question. Um, you know, there have been opportunities or situa- well situations where it had to really like pitch this idea to somebody who doesn't really know about it very you know very much, um, or maybe has never even heard about me, and so getting a lot better at communicating like why they would need to invest or why they would need to give, um, you know, financially or resources wise to something they've never heard of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then alongside of that, and I feel like I've, all, I've always been good at that. Like I've taught other people how to do that in some of my, my work and stuff, but to actually do it myself or something that's like very out there, it's not a, it's not a service that, people know about like plumbing or, you know, branding or website design or whatever it is. It's like, okay, this is something that doesn't even exist yet. That's been, that's been really humbling, but I feel like I've gotten way better at it. And, you know, the more I've actually shared, uh, shared the vision. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with that too, just developing like really thick skin. And this is always like, it, you know, even as I say this, it's like, it feels like we're walking on a tightrope because it's like, oh my gosh, it's going to happen. And, we're always one third step away from, um, you know, somebody investing in it to really make it go long term and all that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, developing thick skin and going if if somebody doesn't understand it, or doesn't get it, you know, having those kind of conversations with yourself after maybe a meeting goes bad or it didn't, you know, you didn't get the the yes or the check written or whatever um, for this to really have that conversation of like okay, that was really hard. I gained nothing from that. In fact, I might've lost some money on that or whatever. So 
do I actually believe, believe in this thing? Cause this is not worth it at all. If I don't believe, you know, and so that's been a very cool thing to continually go back to the answer of like, yeah, yeah, I do. And I don't know how this is going to happen. And it could take a lot of different forms and shapes, but, um, but at some, you know, it's by some way or another, we're going to like, we're going to get this thing done. Mm-hmm. So, and so, I, I paint a really bleak picture of it. Like what's cool is that like a bunch of people have given and we've got what we need to, you know, make our pilot episode where we're or our pilot season. And we're um, partnering with a uh, school out in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey in March, 2019. So it's going, it just, it, it feels like, um, you know, like I'm sitting in a like one person plane and I'm like in the sky, but I'm like barely, you know, I'm like barely off the ground and like sputtering and puttering and trying to gain, you know, smooth balance. And I'm like learning to fly for the very first time. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. So you're doing, <laughs> so you're doing a TV show associated with this. It's well, it's video curriculum. Okay. So we're calling gotcha. it a season or calling it a show, but really every grade level is a different, we're calling them seasons because, um, yeah, there it's it, it's a show based curriculum. So kids watch a show, yep. then they, then they get discussion questions that pop up on screen that a teacher facilitates, and then they get to do an activity that the videos um, instruct them on how to how to do. Mm-hmm. So as as you're you know talking with all of these investors, I'm sure some. You know, people in our audience, you know, they're what advice would you give to them about, you know, here's here's like one or two tips that I've learned um, whenever pitching investors that might be helpful for people. Yeah, the the probably biggest thing I've learned is how to how to frame it in their minds where they can really, really easily understand it in about like a sentence or two. Like so in, in film. Like in filmmaking, if people want to get a, a script pitched, they say, this is what it's like. It's like a movie that already exists, but mm-hmm. here's the new thing it is. So I remember um, I got to to hang out a couple of times with um, the guy who wrote the story for Hotel Transylvania. Mm-hmm. And he was the first one to tell me that. And he was like, yeah, I mean, basically how he pitched it was like, this is the Little Mermaid, but with the Universal Monsters. <laughs> and I went, oh my gosh, you just told the entire hour and a half long story of Hotel Transylvania in a couple of words. And so getting it that simple um, and be like just realizing that people have so little time. You are literally their lowest priority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not, that's not an indictment on you. That's not it, but it's just, you know, you have to kind of, and I, I don't know if I've mastered it, but like master the, or at least try and figure out the fine art of, of nudging without being overbearing, but, but, but making sure that, you know, people know that you're serious. Like I, I, I think when it comes to this kind of stuff, like usually the first email does nothing, mm-hmm. like you won't even hear a response back. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and then there's, so, and, and then this is getting a little weird and philosophical, but I'll, I'll do it, I'll do it, you know, just to, and you can decide if you want to use it or not, but like there's this, 
also like interesting quantum sort of physics thing where it's like you're and this is this has been my life and i don't know if this is this is true for everybody but i can i can totally point to this in ring miller where it's like you're doing all this work you're pitching you're striving you're ideating and you're like you're really really like churning you know the butter and and working really hard and then something almost seemingly out of nowhere comes around and all of a sudden you realize you have everything you need to like pitch that person or to excite that person about getting involved. And like, there's a weird sort of paradox there, right. Of like, of like some, sometimes it's, if you, if you weren't doing all that work, it probably wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the stuff that ends up being the salvation of your idea is completely random and comes out of nowhere. <laughs> At least for me. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. I uh I can I can definitely relate to that a little bit. Um <laughs> so uh go, going back uh to just this idea of being weird and really what your book Get Weird talks about. Um why why is it so important for um for for people to pursue and to develop their own um, individual weirdness, because I'm just thinking of the person who's like, okay, I'm, I'm not sure this is worth it. I'm not sure I want to do this. Why would you say that it's worth it for, for someone to pursue their own, um, their own journey towards their own weirdness? Well, because I think, you know, our, our, I think purpose and mission on, on planet earth is to, figure out how to love ourselves and love other people around us. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're really good at loving. I think generally speaking, I don't think we're really good at loving other people just the way they are until we learn to love ourselves just the way we are. Mm. And so I think when we explore and understand that, Hey, where, and, you know, and I use weird as a as a funny kind of term to yeah. describe, um, you know, just just everything that you that makes you you you, mm-hmm. you know, and no one no no one is born with the the same exact strand of DNA as as you. And so, what does that mean? And how can we use that to cultivate good? And so, when you're at home with your uniqueness and the identity that has been, you know, given to you, um, I think you make more room for that in others. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the Enneagram at all? Yeah, definitely. This, this just, it makes me think a lot of, so I'm a, I'm a three on the Enneagram. And nice. yeah, and it makes me think a lot of what you're talking about. And you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, or feel free to speak into this too. But it makes me think like part of um, it's kind of embrace. Is it kind of like embracing like the like the good with the bad, or how how would you describe that? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Enneagram is a really great tool, and it is it is taking the imperfections with the things that we really like about ourselves, but it's, it's also, um, it's not necessarily like sticking your ears or sticking your fingers in your ears and going, 
I don't, I never want to work on my, mm-hmm. my imperfections. It's acknowledging that we all have imperfections, but usually there's two sides of that coin, right? For every, everything we don't like about what makes us weird, there's, there's kind of a superpower that we have as well that not a lot of other people have. So I'm doing a, a, a workshop today uh, in a couple of hours. And, you know, one of the first questions I'm going to ask people is like, what was the thing that just came really naturally to you as a kid that it seemed like was really hard for other kids to do? And are you still sort of using those gifts and those superpowers today? You know, like I really was good at drawing and I it always was like, it always kind of fascinated me that like other kids weren't as good as drawing as I was because it like just came really easily to me. But I wasn't really, you know, super great at long division and, you know, Charlie in my class was like, oh man, this is like, I, this just makes sense to me. And so um, what are those things that are, that are sort of naturally moments and ideas and, and strengths that you can kind of just gravitate to um, still today that were there since kind of the very beginning. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you mentioned earlier um, is just the importance of loving yourself. So what, what does that yeah. look like for you and what advice would you give um, to someone who's maybe struggling with that? Mm. Yeah. Man, that's the journey, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it really, it really the, is. The I think, you know, like, again, it goes back to, I am really, um, I just feel really, like, fortunate that I've got this family, I've got this wife, and I've got these kids who um, I can go home to even on the worst possible day. Um, when it comes to what I'm creating and what I'm doing and what I'm actually producing and their love and their um, acceptance and their, um, you know, their support are like completely like separate from that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I, I could, I could not do any of that stuff or I could do that stuff and it, it wouldn't matter. You know what I mean? It's not even on the same, it's not even on the same grade. It's not even on the same graph. And so that to me keeps me really anchored. And it reminds me, okay, wow. If, if a couple of people, you know, believe in me and love me, regardless of what I do, then I know these people aren't crazy. And so, um, that's gotta be, uh, you know, that's gotta be true. And so what I would, what I would say, um, to somebody struggling with that is to find people as hard as you can, friends, family, you know, strangers, whatever it is, mm-hmm. find people who will love you and support you and come around you regardless of what you do. And that, that is, uh, I think those, those people are really rare, but a, we got to find those people. I think if you're like me, I got to find those people in order to survive Mm -hmm. and B we got to realize that we need to become those people for others because people need those people in order to survive. It's really that simple. Mm -hmm. 
One of one of the things that uh, really stood out to me as I was reading through your book is you gave you gave a bunch of examples of people, um, really famous people all throughout history who have who have embraced their weirdness. Would you mind just going through some of the people that you've kind of identified? You know, they were able to embrace their unique weirdness and um, literally has made a difference all throughout history. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... I think you got you have a guy like Fred. Rod- I, I'll go through a couple of the people I'm talking about. Like you have a guy like Fred Rogers, um, who really saw television for the first time, and where the rest of the country was kind of like, "What's the problem?" Like we're seeing pies thrown in each other's faces, and there's a lot of slapstick humor and three stooges and all that kind of stuff. And you know, those things aren't necessarily bad, but for him, he was like one of the only people who saw that and was like, this is like the best we're actually doing with this new technology. And so he decides to to buck the system really in every way, create a low-budget children's program that is, in every way it's low-budget, it's also unbelievably meticulously thought out in its psychological and missional delivery. Um, and he creates Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and obviously it makes a huge difference in the lives of kids all over the world. Um, similar guy would be Jim Henson, who, you know, a lot of people see all of these uh, famous people in, in retrospect and go, wow, they were so successful. But if you really dig into a lot of their lives, it's, a, it, it's just like failure after failure after failure. And all of this incremental movement towards the vision that they see. And so um, Jim Henson could not get the Muppet Show made for like years i forget how long it was i think like maybe seven or eight years he was trying to pitch the show mm-hmm. and people were like no like networks were just not they wanted to fit him into a box and go well we'll give you a special or we'll let you do you know kids tv but he had to go all the way to england to actually partner with a um uh, a network there uh to to produce the show and syndicate it worldwide and because of that it actually became i think it was yeah no it was like the, the the most watched television show of that time all around the world. Uh, so, I mean, there's Jim Henson, who also had a very interesting ability to kind of look at people who were rejects and misfits and weirdos and go, okay, I actually see your talent and mm-hmm. come on board with me and let's do this thing together. And so his whole motley crew of puppeteers and muppeteers and actors and voiceover artists and stuff, I mean, if you look at their own biographies, they're all these crazy <laughs> as well. But he had, this, he had this strange ability to, like, band all those people together and make something that was really special. Um, and then, you know, I think a guy like, um, you know, Walt Disney's a pretty, mm-hmm. pretty go-to example. But you got to remember, like, this stuff was really, really hard what he was doing like there wasn't you know there wasn't a lot of of people that he could point to to sort of look at you know for a uh for a template on how to make this stuff but when he was making snow white and the seven dwarfs he ends up typing up this like eight page manifesto on hey look this is this is what i'm trying to do here like his animators really weren't weren't actually like creating what he wanted them to create and so he finally had the idea of like man if i actually just put on paper if i really think about this if i really sort of articulate what my weird ideas are and how i want them fleshed out 
maybe that'll make a difference. And it, and it did. Like, obviously, they turned the ship around and were able to create uh, the first hand-drawn animated you know, feature of all time, which was Snow White. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, obviously, we know the rest is history. But, again, I just can't stress enough, like, we say, oh, the rest is history. But, like, Disney continued to, like, verge on the brink of bankruptcy for, like, a really long time. Like, kind of his whole career. Like, his brother was the financial wizard. He was always, like, taking these giant bets and hoping that they, um, you know, pan out. Like, Jim Henson was always worried about kind of being fit into a box and always wondering if his best work was behind him. He was always trying to push boundaries and do more. And a lot of his stuff, you know, as much stuff that was kind of celebrated and lauded back in the day, like when he would do weirder, more progressive stuff, um, not everybody got it. And critics sort of scratched their heads. And Fred Rogers, like I just saw a documentary on him that was really great. And, you know, he's in his, I think, 50s when he's writing this, 50s or 60s. And there's a private journal that they, they uncover, and he goes, um, he's like about to write a new script for a new show a new, of, uh, of, you know, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And he has this whole kind of breakdown of like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. This is so hard. And then he kind of peps, he kind of gives himself a pep talk and he's like, yes, he can, because don't let anybody ever perpetuate the idea that this was easy. Mm-hmm. Like, don't let anybody, he's like, and he's talking to himself. He's like, never let anybody believe that this whole thing was easy because it wasn't. So mm-hmm. it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing um, struggle for sure. But again, it's like, are you, are you choosing to feel alive and to be alive um, in kind of a culture of robots, um, knowing that having skin and having a heart and having lungs sometimes means that you bleed and you get hurt and you bruise, um, but you also feel things as well. Mm-hmm. How can someone go about discovering um, their own uniqueness and kind of their own journey? Man, I think again, it goes. It, it it starts with going back to the beginning. If you if if you can't go all the way back to um, who you were before the world told you that it didn't matter, then you're gonna have a hard time. So go back to your your kid. Who were you when you were a kid? What things did you naturally gravitate to? Um, what made you feel alive? What made you feel important? What made you feel valuable? Um, that's a really, really good place to start. And then, and then also like not thinking about it too hard, you know, in a sense of like, you are unique, you are weird, you are different. Like that's scientifically proven. Like you Mm -hmm. don't have the same genetic makeup as anybody else on the planet. And so it's more about what to do with that unique set of lungs and heart and brain Mm -hmm. and skin that you have versus going, Oh my gosh, I don't feel like I'm unique. I got to go find what makes me unique. No, you are unique. You are weird. You are individual. Now go and, and figure out how you're going to do that, how you're going to help others um, belong and feel like they're loved and feel like they matter in this world. Um, But you can't do that until you believe that you yourself matter in your, in your own unique journey.
Mm-hmm. What are um, what are both maybe start with the what are the challenges and the benefits of embracing your own weirdness? And maybe start with the challenges and end with uh, you know kind of the reward and the benefits of embracing your own we- weirdness. Yeah, I mean the, the challenges are is you know we throughout history and again it goes back to that herd mentality. It's like it's like lots of people don't understand weird. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's a reason why there's the word weird. Like we call things weird. We deem things weird. People people ostracize weird ideas and weird people. And and um, you know, when uh, this is kind of a, a again another go to example, but. The idea of, you know, fighting oppression and bigotry and violence and segregation with nonviolence was not, that, that's a pretty weird slash countercultural idea that Martin Luther King Jr. said, you know what, I'm going to make that my thing. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even, you know, uh, segregationists who, who disagreed with him. He had Malcolm X disagree with him. He had people among his own, his own um, ethnic group go, man, I don't know if that's actually the way to go. And so you're going to find opposition. You're just going to like, you just, you're just going to eventually have to get comfortable with the idea that um, the weirder you are, the more people won't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the benefits of, living out of your weirdness is giving people an opportunity to belong just the way they are as well, which is something we really desperately need in our, in our world right now. You know, I, we can't have political discourse without, um, without purveying the idea that we have to be the sum of all of our party's most polarizing um, opinions on things. When in reality, most people are sort of these weird, unique mixtures of ideas and beliefs and opinions. And until we can have discussions and dialogues and meet each other in this messy, weird sort of middle, I go, yeah, I, you know what? I, I believe really strongly about this, but I see your point about this as well. And I actually adopt this idea, right? Or that, that makes, that makes sense. Um, until we can actually act like real people who aren't robotic sort of, you know, microchips of, well, these are the things we have to believe because these are the things that we are telling you to believe. And if you vote this way, then you, agree with A, B, C, D, and, you know, all the above, um, we're not really going to progress any further. And so the benefits of, of owning your weirdness, I think the more people who do that, um, the better our, our discourse is, the better our communities are, the more vibrant and rich and nuanced. Nuance is probably the best word I can use for that. Um, our civilization is where we go, look, let's actually find some common ground because the reality is, is we are all super uncommon. And so, um, and it's a, it's a weird paradox, huh? Like, you know, the, the fact that we're all uncommon yeah. produces the strange ability 
to go, well, the one thing that really unites us is that we are all different. And so let's actually focus on that and how to solve that, not necessarily solve that problem, but how to navigate that reality versus try and make everybody into like binary <laughs> uh, sets of beliefs and systems and um, ideas. So that, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yep. That definitely makes sense. So before um, before we f- finish up with uh, some of the questions that we always love to ask our guests about learning, is there anything else about um, about this Get Weird movement that you would uh, want our audience to know? Man, um, other than they can they can support us and and um, check out ringbeller dot com um, where we are uh, we've got the the our Kickstarter video up for. Um, for Ringbeller, it's R-I-N-G-B-E-L-L-E-R.com. And then if they want to get the book, um, they can go to getweirdbook.com um, or really get it wherever books are sold. It's on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target. But um, yeah, we'd love to uh, pick up a, we'd love you to pick up a copy of the book and read it. And um, and yeah, and hopefully uh, start to, to live out some of these principles um, because I really do think we move our communities and cultures forward um, when we start to love who we are and love others for who they are as well. Mm-hmm. So just as we're wrapping up, um, the first question that I want to ask you is what's one thing that is helping you either personally or professionally right now? One thing that's helping me? Yeah. Um, I think one thing that, that's helping me is obviously like having something, having my words and my ideas and thoughts like clearly articulated in a, in a, in book form mm-hmm. is, is, is super helpful. It's really great because it, it is a, um, it's just an opportunity to share what my vision is like really succinctly with people in a way that they can easily digest. And so that's really good. And I'd suggest to anybody, regardless on their journey, you know, maybe you're not writing a book, but to either blog or to podcast or to somehow document um, what it is you care about so that it's easily accessible to the people that need to understand it most. Mm-hmm. Then w- what advice would you give to someone who is eager to learn? Oh, man. Um, It would be to use the technology. I want want to tell my kids this too. To use the technology that's available to you. um, To discipline yourself in a way where you use it to learn versus use it to entertain yourself. It's a very weird time we're living in right now where it's not like you have to teach kids long division anymore because they can do it on a calculator. But you gotta teach kids, you know, kids to, and and I think adults too to go. All right, we've all been given these little black rectangles that can do anything, like literally anything in the world. Um, we can play like video games on this thing, or we can literally like discover the mysteries of the world with this thing. We can create movies with this thing. We can research quantum physics with this thing. <laughs> or, 
or we can watch Netflix with this thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying one, I'm not saying watching Netflix is bad. I'm saying that that's actually a very, uh, that's a, that's quite the human experiment. And we need to just be really cognitive, you know, cognitive of, of that choice that we have every single day to use what's available to us to either simply satiate ourselves or to educate ourselves. Um, and so, yeah, I think developing the discipline to want to learn is um, the most important thing to do mm-hmm. is to figure out how to use what you've got to actually expand your knowledge. Yeah. I love that. If you could have everyone learn one thing, what would it be? What makes you weird? <laughs> how to be weird? <laughs> of course, of course. Um, <laughs> and wh- what are you learning right now? I am learning. I think we talked about this a little bit earlier. But I'm, I'm learning to um, to trust the vision I have, um, even when it's even when it's hard. Mm-hmm. What uh, what do you do that helps you do that, or what if you what if you put in place that helps you do that? I think again. I think I think people. I, for me, I think I think good friends and and family who um, can can be um, they can just be clear sort of beacons of of um, I'm trying to think of the word. Like they can be clear beacons of 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 uh, sanity for me when I'm um, going off the rails or I'm not really quite sure of myself. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've, you've talked so much about, uh, about the people part of this. What advice would you look to give someone who's like, you know, how, how do I, like, how did you choose what people to surround yourself with to be your sounding board to help you remain insane? How did, how did you do that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's, kind of mysterious right i mean i I, you know when we find when we find a soul uh uh john and donna he would call it soul friend right it's a little bit like there's a little mystery to it but i think i think as a a general kind of guideline you know again it's easy i think to to find people who will be impressed by what you do you know there's this you know, people are going to get mad at me for this, but I, I hate that phrase. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Uh-huh. Um, because I think I, you know, I understand, I understand what it means, but I think it's used a lot to, to kind of perpetuate the fact of like, or the idea of like, Hey, hang out with like super successful people and you'll be super successful. And I just don't think it's that clear. Or I don't think it's that cut and dry. I think finding people who will accept you for who you are, regardless of what you do um, is the important thing. And you don't want to hang around people who are never challenging you mm-hmm. um, and are never helping you aspire to who you want to be. But there needs to be that safety net of, Hey, we've got your back regardless. 
Um, and honestly, what you accomplish is way less important to us than your joy, um, your happiness and your overall health as a human being. And so finding those people, man, it's, um, you can only kind of know what to look for, I think, but part of it, again, it's just, it's, it's mysterious. It's, it's, um, and, and it's also, it's also knowing what to avoid. I, I would definitely, um, start dropping people who uh, dropping people from, and don't, don't obviously like exit all, all relationships. And then like, don't, don't ghost them. I, I think there's a, yeah. there's a problem with our, our culture right now of people ghosting, you know, people, but, but don't give, you know what? Um, I had a friend tell me this the other day and I thought it was really cool. Don't be careful that you don't give people a vote who aren't citizens of your soul. Man, that's strong. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's what I, I mean by that. <laughs> yeah. So, CJ, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. If people want to um, continue to learn from you and connect with you, where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, if they go to um, djcast.com, that's djcast.com, that's my website. And um, I'm on. Instagram and Twitter. Um, my name is CJ Cassiata. So I would love to connect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Caleb, yes? getting weird over there? <laughs> what? You getting weird over there? That's all I need to know. He's giggling too hard, guys. But for real, Caleb, what did you <laughs> learn from this interview with CJ? Um, I mean, I think I got him distracted. <laughs> no, I mean, it, learning to embrace your weirdness, the thing that makes you unique, the thing that makes you, you and Todd, I know you're going to roll your eyes as soon as I say this, but I recently discovered that I am a four wing on the Enneagram. I do know. I was there when you discovered it. I know it's been it has been a life changing event. Um, and and for those of you in the back who don't know what a four is, it's basically the weirdest number on the enneagram. That's not true. We are the at most, me and fight about we it. We are the most unique. fight about we it. Are the Tell most, me I'm wrong. We are the most prove it unique and individualistic. And those some two words who, are synonyms for weird. Some people who can't be fours call them weird. Or we just know what other anyway, people don't. Regardless. Just the importance of becoming comfortable with who you are, and even if it is weird, whether it's the things that you're interested in, your likes, your dislikes, what you're wired to do, all of that stuff. Just thinking through that and learning to embrace that and become more comfortable with it. Good for you. Thank you. Now... How was it, by the way, not having me on an interview? That had to have been boring. It was awesome. Oh, shut up. <laughs> now, Todd. What? Normally, at this point, I would say, you know, subscribe to the podcast, and you're you're going to miss, you know, make sure to not miss our next Yeah, don't guest. miss anything. But next week. What's going down? Oh, my goodness. We have a supersized, mega, gigantic episode of the podcast. We do? Yes. We are going to be talking with some of, uh, really, people 
some some when who we haven't talked with on the podcast next week yes we get to do that talk with them about what are the things that you have learned this year what has shaped you what are the biggest lessons that you've learned for one gigantic episode to close out 2018 and so to make sure you don't miss that episode what do you do bribe me for one and then after that you could subscribe to the podcast because what's going to happen is that bad boy is going to drop in your queue yeah todd want like give give our audience just just don't give everybody just give like a little just give a little tease of who's going to be on this episode well y'all remember a guy named sam collier whoa you remember him sam's gonna be on the podcast Sam's gonna be on the i podcast. didn't even know this now have you ever heard of just, a person just kidding i knew named elon musk have you <laughs> i have well he's not gonna be on the podcast <laughs> have you ever heard of a guy named justin bieber yes also not gonna be on the podcast have you heard of ariana grande yes thank you next definitely not going to be on the podcast but a couple of our friends sarah bragg surviving sarah podcast well she'll be on there have you ever heard of a little known person people maybe don't know who they are named Stuart hall whoa i think you better stop right there oh yeah. it's gonna get that's lit just, that's it's just gonna get lit taste of who's gonna be on the podcast so like we said don't forget to subscribe also we have our challenge going on. We hit 100 review. Actually, if you leave a review, we leave will a review. read the we'll review read that bad boy. on the podcast. And what's going to happen if we oh, hit 100 happen if we hit 100? The greatest reviews? moment of my life ever. The greatest moment. We are going to have Caleb J. Mason read some of the reviews in a weird voice. Now, for some of you, if you know me... You know that's not weird for me at all. I do voices and noises and get weird all the time. But Caleb, he rolls his eyes at me. He thinks it's childish. Caleb's going to do this on a podcast. It's going to be recorded. And yes, I may play it at his wedding. This may be the most painful. He's got to get a girlfriend first. This though. may be the most painful thing I ever do. Just kidding. Maybe not. But it's going to be. It's probably there. not going to be the most painful thing. But. But it's going to be awesome. So leave a rating. Write a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Learner's Corner Podcast. My name is Kayla Mason. My name is not Kayla Mason. It's Todd Hicksonball. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing. Deuces, y'all.